BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey, what's up? It's Erica. Before we get started on the show, I was wondering if you had any Valentine's Day plans. Because if not, I'm actually hosting a live event at KQED on February 14th, celebrating Filipino desserts and DJs. Because what's more Filipino than music and food? Am I right? It's going to be a super fun event. We're going to celebrate the ways that Filipinos remix in their respective crafts. The desserts come with your ticket. You just come and bring your dance moves. Go to kqed.org live and find the desserts and DJs event page. You could buy your ticket on there. And I hope to see you all. Okay, here's the show. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. There was a moment last year where it seemed like the rise of robo-taxis or driverless vehicles in San Francisco was just inevitable. There was fascination, but also skepticism. And yet, they just kept coming. Until, of course, the carpet got pulled out from under one of the biggest names in the industry, Cruise. The boss of General Motors' Cruise unit has quit amid questions over the safety of its robot taxis. His exit comes after an October crash that saw a cruise vehicle dragging... After a series of viral mishaps, bad PR, and a cruise vehicle hitting and dragging a woman, Cruise is now off the streets. So does that mean robo-taxis are done for? That really, like, felt like such a severe turning point for how regulators and the general public and even the tech press saw Cruise, right? Today, the future of robo-taxis in San Francisco. Cruise was sort of this company that felt like you saw them everywhere. Joshua Bote is a tech reporter for the San Francisco Standard. You saw them in the sunset, you saw them in the Richmond, and eventually you started seeing them all over the city. I think that it was widely understood that Cruise was the company that was expanding and Waymo was sort of trying to be slower and be a little bit less aggressive with their expansion in San Francisco. I mean, back in August, Cruz and Waymo got the okay to charge fares. And it really just felt like, okay, these things are just going to be around. Like, they're going to be part of life here in San Francisco. Is that how it felt to you? Yeah, you know, there's definitely was this idea that 
they were sort of inevitable, right? That once they got sort of introduced into the cities, that they would just keep on coming and keep on expanding. And, you know, you'd see less and less drivers operating these things and these robo-taxis would operate on their own around the packed streets of downtown and Union Square, and you'd see them everywhere. There were a lot of big numbers that were being touted around, not just by analysts, but by the companies themselves. GM executives and cruise executives were like, by 2025, cruise would be on track to make a billion dollars. By 2030, cruise would make $50 billion. Like, the sky was the limit. I think people took them at their word that this technology was working and that it would prove to be the future of riding in San Francisco, not just, you know, in cars, but I think that, like, people believe that it would upend public transit systems and change the way that people get around this city. Right, so the messaging at the time was, this is the future, humans are terrible drivers, leave it up to the robo-taxis. But then this feeling that Waymo and Cruz especially were flying high seemed to really take a pretty quick turn when these high-profile incidents and videos came out. Can you remind us of some of the biggest ones? Almost immediately after Cruz and Waymo were approved to expand their services and operations in San Francisco, that was August 10. A day later, I was covering Outside Lands, and I remember leaving Golden Gate Park and immediately seeing just a cruise stuck on the intersection for like a solid half hour, just causing traffic jams. It was such a jarring thing to see that this technology had immediately faltered. There's like 10 of them. Now at nine, driverless cars caught halting traffic again, this time in San Francisco's North Beach neighborhood. Citizen video showing the congestion. Around that time too, there was an incident in North Beach where there were like five or six cruises that like couldn't move. And that was just this one-two punch of what is actually going to happen when, if there's a Warriors game or if there's like a big Giants game, like what will happen and how can crews specifically adapt to big events like this? And, and I mean, those stalling cars were one thing, but then people actually were hurt. Yeah. There were other incidents, right? Like, there were cruises that were s- stuck in wet concrete. There were cruises that, like, got tangled up in electrical wiring during a storm. A lot of emergency vehicles and first responders and, you know, police and fire unions complained about crews and Waymo cars impeding their access to emergency scenes. But the big, big incident that I think sort of proved to be the turning point for how we saw Cruise and Waymo was on October 2. Breaking news in San Francisco where a woman has been seriously injured after being hit by an autonomous vehicle. KTVU's Zach Sauce just arrived on scene there on... A hit-and-run driver struck a woman. The driver fled the scene, but then a Cruise immediately after ran her over... No one was inside the cruise vehicle, there was no driver behind the wheel, and there were no passengers inside that cruise vehicle. But the female pedestrian becoming trapped underneath of that vehicle, trapped under the left axle. It was a horrible, horrible thing to see. I think that people were really disturbed and shaken up by it. (laughs) 
I think the immediate response by Cruz also proved to be a little bit concerning. They really tried to frame it in a different light in a way that as time would go on and more information came out about it, that it felt like Cruz was sort of deceiving the public and officials about how they handled the situation. Before the end of the month, Cruz had fully had its license to operate suspended by the DMV because of specifically this incident. And Cruz itself voluntarily pulled out all of its fleet across the nation. Can we expect them to be back on the road anytime soon? They said when they pulled out the fleet that they would come back in a smaller city and on a slower scale. They haven't identified the city yet. That's something that I've tried asking them about. It seems like they're going to try and do a much slower expansion. And it's interesting to see because before all of this happened, they were really adamant about growth. They were really adamant about expanding their services. And and this just feels like a far cry from it, right? Just one city a lot more slowly and just trying to emphasize safety and emphasize building trust with the public again. And I think that that's something that we're going to see a lot more of in 2024. Coming up, what Cruz's downfall means for the rest of the robo-taxi industry. Stay with us. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Well, Joshua, we've been talking a lot about Cruise, but they're not the only robo-taxi company, right? So I'm wondering where what's happened to Cruise and it's sort of fall from grace. Uh, Where has that left other companies? I think from the analyst and expert point of view, Waymo is now the top dog. For so long, we sort of understood Cruise and Waymo to be sort of like a rabbit and a tortoise type story where... Cruise was moving really fast and accelerating at this level that felt untenable, and it ultimately was. And Waymo was understood to be this sort of slower, more safety-oriented company. And as a result of that, Waymo does have this perception. But ultimately, Cruise's mishaps hurt the driverless car market at large. Even Waymo sort of has to continue doubling down on these safety emphasis and doubling down on just making sure that they are gaining this trust. And as for Zooks, which is Amazon-owned, even they're still trying to ramp up in a way that can sort of build trust and build better relationships with the city. There are other, you know, robo-trucks and sort of these vehicles that are 
delivering things that are being introduced, highway robo trucks and other things like that. But I think for our intents and purposes, I think Waymo and to a lesser extent, Zooks are going to be the companies to keep an eye out on. Do you think that public officials are still friendly to robo-taxis even after everything that happened with Cruise, or do you think that something fundamental has shifted? I always think that it varies on sort of the state versus local level because, you know, the Board of Supervisors, even before Cruise and Waymo were going to expand on this bigger level, there was a lot of skepticism from the board across all sides. On a state level, there is a little bit more attention being drawn to it. There's a lot more skepticism from their end, which is why you're seeing a lot of legislators introduce bills to try and get some more regulation. As for Gavin Newsom, he vetoed a bill that would have had more regulations on robo-trucks. What he said when he vetoed that robo-truck regulation bill was, there are enough things already in place to regulate robo-taxis. And I don't know that activists and other people fully agree with that, but that was the logic that he provided. What is your sense then right now of how the public in San Francisco in particular is feeling about these robo-taxis and, and, and these companies? You know, I was in the wharf recently and I was waiting for the streetcar to come pick me up and I was sitting next to a tourist family and the tourist family like saw Waymo driving by and they were like amazed by it. They're like, oh my God, it's a driverless car. That's so wild. San Francisco is such a crazy place. People think it's cool or people think it's strange or odd or unnerving or it runs the gamut emotionally. But beyond this idea that it's a cool thing, I don't know that people are sort of using it in their day-to-day lives. People at the end of the day are still calling up Ubers and Lyfts. Well, what lessons are you taking away from the story of Cruz's rise and fall? I think sort of the evergreen one is to always be skeptical of companies, especially tech companies when they make claims that are too good to be true. Like, Cruz took out the ad that was like, we are safer than human drivers. Human drivers are terrible. And they took that ad out in the Chronicle, in the New York Times. It was everywhere. And even then, I felt a little bit of skepticism. But with all the details that kept coming out about how Cruz wanted hyperspeed growth and how Cruz sought to expand almost at the expense of their safety regulation goals, when technology collides with the real world and and it's no longer in beta testing and you sort of have to live with it. There are so many unforeseen consequences and I think that that's the thing that we have to pay attention to. Joshua, thank you so much for joining us on the show and for talking about this with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show. That was Joshua Botte, a tech reporter for the San Francisco Standard. 
This 30-minute conversation with Joshua was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montecilio. Maria Esquinka is our producer. She scored this episode. Music courtesy of Audio Network. The Bay is a production of KQED Public Media in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Peace. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.